This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. They called it the long night, the day when day didn't come. You remember it. You woke up early, like you normally do, before the sun rises, to set off on your trek, to hunt. You know if you get out there before the animals are awake that you have an advantage. You and your group headed off towards the east, expecting the sunrise, but it never came. Usually when you woke, you can see the beginnings of dawn on the edges of the horizon, but this morning was different. It was darker. And as the little bit of light arrived in the sky, it appeared like a deep, dark haze was covering the horizon. You turned back around to the village. This was a bad omen. The gods were angry, maybe? Someone had committed a crime against the god of the morning? The ancestors were stirring and upset. Something was wrong. So your hunting party headed back to the rest of your companions. To your humble nomadic village. If village was even the right word for it. You found the elder the wise woman who led your group, and she was already aware of the situation when you returned. In the sand, she was making markings and burning incense and praying. Before too long, she gathered the entire community together, all of about 30 of you, families, friends and she said this is indeed a bad omen for today might not dawn there is no day on the horizon we must go about our 
regular routines. Do not let this sway you from your regular paths. But be wary, for this will be a long night. And she was right. You think back to this day, or long night, a lot. Because this night extended for more than a week. There was light, but it wasn't like a regular day. It was dark and reddened. It seemed to come from the southeast and spread over the horizon on that first day and lingered in the air for a long time. For most of that year, the sky did not look right. And within the next few days after the first long night, the rain was black. The plants in the fields began to shrivel and the animals' schedules were changed. Your regular hunting patterns no longer worked and many animals were scrounging for whatever food they could find. Your village lost half of its population in the first month. But things changed. Your wise woman wasn't like the others you had met among other tribes. She was different. She prayed, like all the wise women did, on the events that occurred on that first long night. And she prayed the second night as well, and the third and after three days of returning with very little food and a community of people who were looking for answers, she came up with a new idea. Instead of traveling day after day and seeking the wildlife free in the wilds and the nuts and fruits and berries on the trees that you pass in your travels, she suggested that you make a home, a place to stay, that travel was no longer beneficial to the tribe. And there was great debate among the members of the tribe. Stay in one place? How will we find food? Stay in one place? Is that even safe? And she responded that she had prayed for three days and sent offerings to the god of the dawn and the light. But there was no response. It was time to find new gods. So she said, we will now be worshipping the gods of the dark, the gods of the ground, the earth, the gods of the sea, and we will be sending our offerings to the sea and to the ground. For in the sea and the ground will come our food. We didn't understand what she meant at the time. Who are these other gods? We've 
always worshipped the god of the dawn, the god of light. That has been the god of our people. There was much debate about this. And then she showed us what she was talking about. She took the seeds, and instead of burning them, she offered them to the god of the water. And the god of the water responded. The fish in the water were hungry, and they came to the surface, and our people ate. Then she took us to the god of the dark. A nearby cave provided fungus, mushrooms, and other things to eat. And so we ate. And the god of the ground. She took us to the plants that were still living with the minimal amount of light left. And she took their seeds. And this time, she placed them in the earth. And before too long, those seeds began to grow. And it's in this way that your tribe survived. The dayless week turned into the dayless month. And slowly the light continued to grow in the sky, but it did not return to normal very soon. Your typical camp turned into dwellings, a village. People took the structures that they built and, and tore down week after week as you traveled and made them more permanent. You began to learn which fish were still living in the sea and could be trapped easily. You also learned how to contain those fish in your own ponds and to breed them, how to grow mushrooms in the dark and how to plant and water your own crops. Your group, though, longed to travel, to find the animals that were still out in the wild. So after a few weeks of harvesting the rewards from these new gods, you set out with another party, and this time... You took with you the ideas that the old woman seeded in your mind, the same way she seeded these new gods. And you found some wild boar among the brush, eating anything they could find to stay alive. But this time, instead of killing them with your spears, instead of hunting them and killing them and returning with their carcasses to cook and use once. You captured them. You set traps. You gathered the boars instead of harvesting the boars. And you celebrated that night when you returned with six boars, three male and three female. You constructed a pen, and those boars have been living with your group now for a few weeks. One of them is pregnant, and so a new god has joined your pantheon. You are no longer praying to the god of the hunt, but to the god of life, of the animals. 
And this group of animals will continue to grow, much like the crops that you're sowing, and the fish, and your own people. The death across your community has ceased. You again have food, regular food, daily, to support the community. And the community isn't only growing from inside. As other nomadic bands travel past, they become curious of your village. They have never seen anything like it. Crops growing in the village, people who aren't starving and traveling to find all the food that they need. And carefully, you begin expanding your village with more travelers who come by. Eventually, this village grows, and you become a community of many tribes working together and sharing the knowledge of these new gods who have provided in a time when the god of the dawn has forsaken. And this is the way that you survive. And this changes humanity forever. Are you worried you don't have all the answers? Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call, Call Mystery, Mystery Time, Time Live today. today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe, Subscribe now! now. Producers of Mystery Time Live ask kindly not to take any advice or guidance of the host because they have no idea what they are doing. No mystery will actually be fully solved unless individualized or any outside source or sheer one. You can find them live on the Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally binding and you cannot do So I like to direct these stories in second person around you and put you in that situation. And you in this story wouldn't know looking up into that night sky before the clouds covered it, that those stars were in different places than they are now. That 70,000 years from these stories about your people another group of people would be looking into that night sky and seeing the stars in slightly different locations, that that's how much time had passed. And that in the 70,000 years since these events, that humanity had over seven and a half billion people. That number to you 70,000 years ago would have seemed completely impossible. The events that I'm talking about don't specifically show up as stories in any mythology, but they may have affected the gods and the myths and the stories of our ancestors. Because 70,000 years ago, 
humanity was almost wiped off the face of this planet by an eruption, an enormous volcanic eruption that we now know happened in Sumatra, in Lake Toba. There were most likely not very many people living in the islands of Southern Asia at that time, but this eruption, we know, covered the planet in darkness. It affected the life on the planet, the plants and the animals, and many plants and animals survived, along with humans, because this wasn't a mass extinction in the way that ended the dinosaurs, but it was an extinction event because some creatures did not survive this. And humanity was almost on that list. It is speculated by scientists that as few as 2,000 human beings survived this event. 2,000. Picture that. When I think back to high school, I went to a high school that had over 2,000 students in one high school. That is how small the human population became. And there's speculation about this. There's not a lot we know because this was before the times of writings. There aren't stories that come directly from this time. But the story that I'm putting you into in this episode is a circumstance that may well have happened because we do know a few things. We know that humans before 70,000 years ago were not farming. They were gathering and they were hunting and they were nomadic. We also know that humans after 70,000 years ago are the only humans who developed those skills. And here's the thought. Events like this are called bottlenecks. They take a population and they reduce the population to a very, very small group. That very small group survived because of something. Something happened differently with this group of humans that did not happen with the vast majority of humans who did not survive this event. So what was it? Was it circumstantial? Did they happen to be in a specific location on the planet that wasn't as affected as everyone else? Chances are that's not the case, because the planet as a whole was affected. Well then, what was it? What gave 2,000 people the ability to survive this event that the other 99% of the population didn't have? And here's the theory. That group of 2,000 people were smart enough to change what they were doing. They were able to think critically, and they didn't just go with tradition. They didn't just keep doing the things that they typically would have done that always had worked. The sun god always rose in the sky every day. The plants grew. The animals were plentiful. The earth provided. But when this event happened, the earth no longer provided. The sun god did not rise. Things began to die. And people began to starve. So the idea here is that at some point, somebody or some groups of people changed what they were doing. 
they found a way to survive. And the only way that they could have found a way to survive was by changing their habits, was by taking on new information and making changes. And I really like this idea because that means that all of us are descended from this group of 2,000 humans who lived 70,000 years ago. There was a much larger population of people before that, and clearly there is a much larger population of people after this. But every human being on the planet is genetically connected to this group of 2,000 people. And why is that important? Well, it's because that group of humans was different. They were smarter. They were the 2,000 smartest individuals on the planet at the time. And we are descendants of theirs. That means that human beings after 70,000 years ago are more intelligent than any human beings that lived previous to that. And that their descendants all contain that capacity, that ability to think differently, to be more critically minded, to make changes when things don't seem to be working. And that's why in the last 70,000 years, humanity has progressed in ways that we didn't before then. For most of the time period before that, Homo sapiens, the humans who lived on the planet, lived the same lifestyle generation after generation. After 70,000 years, we end up with farming. We end up with communities being built, small groups of people. And it's not everywhere. It starts in some locations, and maybe those locations contained the smartest people. By 30,000 years ago, we're at the age of the pyramids. By 10,000 years ago, we have the beginnings of a written history and stories being passed down. The intelligence that enabled human beings to write is something we acquired from this group of 2,000 humans. Had this event not happened, we may never have progressed to a level of intelligence beyond the tribes that hunted and gathered. But because of this, we were able to farm, we were able to write, we were able to build communities that could function in a size larger than just a few family groups. And the rest of history is told because of this group of 2,000 humans surviving across the entire globe. And, and, and go with me here, because this is amazing. Think about this. The ancestors of these 2,000 people created the empires of the earth. The Chinese dynasties, the Egyptian pharaohs, the empires of Rome, of Great Britain, of America. But there's a dark side to this too. Before this event happened, human beings didn't go to war the way they do now. Family groups may have competed with other family groups. Tribes may have competed with other tribes, but not in the way 
that we do now, for all the benefits that we've gotten from progress, democracy, human rights, security, well-being, medicine, psychology, science. We've also gained the critical thinking skills that can allow us to destroy ourselves. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, this group of 2,000 humans used their critical thinking skills to survive, to take care of one another, to band together, to create unity, and to grow prosperously. And that is the correct use of this intellect that we all share. It is not to destroy each other. It is not to bring competition and greed for power. And this is my belief, that it is only in growing together and using this intellectual ability for good that we can truly honor these 2,000 people from which we are all descended. Very few of us live in societies anymore where we venerate the dead the way that our ancestors did or worship them. But many of us live in societies where we respect the dead. We respect our ancestors, our forefathers, our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. And many of us feel a, a very specific pride in being able to provide for our children in ways that our grandparents couldn't, but sacrificed so that we would end up in a better place. And that is the story of parents for generations now. That goes back all the way to this 2,000 humans. So I don't mean to preach, but let me just say that in order to respect the 2,000 people who survived a cataclysm that we have not seen since, then isn't it our responsibility to do the same? Thanks for listening to this episode of Myth. Welcome back, everyone. I told you guys I would take a hiatus about a year ago from this in order to get to a place where I could be doing these podcasts as well as I possibly can in a way that I feel does them justice. So we're back. And thank you for tuning in. I hope you will join me again in the future for more stories and myths and the way that these myths and stories connect to what it means to be human. My name is Tom, and I'm the host of the show, and if you would like to help support the show, then the best thing, the absolute best thing you can possibly do is to tell a friend about it. When you have friends on the internet, on Facebook and social media saying, hey, I need a podcast to listen to, recommend something, please recommend the show. And if you're excited about the first few episodes that I've put out and where this podcast will go, and you're excited about the show coming back, please, please, please leave a, a five-star rating and review on whatever podcatcher you listen to. Apple Podcasts is the main one still, and it's a great way for you to help me get the word out to people about what the show is about and let them know that they'll like it 
or at least why you like it. So if they share your opinion, they might check out the show. It also helps with our ranking on Apple podcasts and gets us out there for more people when they just search shows that include mythology or human history and those kinds of things. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for all of your help. And if you're interested in being part of our community and talking about issues like this and the other things going on on the robots radio network, which includes a whole bunch of podcasts that I, that I do and a bunch of other people do, then check out robotsradio.net. Look up the robots radio discord server where you can chat with me and everyone else. And like almost 900 other people at this point about all these different kinds of interesting concepts and stuff like that. Or follow us on Twitter and send me a message at Podcast Myth. All right, friends, thanks for following the show, and I will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at MythThePodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Podcast Myth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources.